0: Welcome to Creators Abroad, I'm Katerina, your nomad guide living in Northern England and this is another narrative journey where we take risks, find opportunities and spark our imagination. I create these episodes to help you in your creative journey and share tips to build a new life in a foreign country or town and most importantly, how to make a living as a creator. To do that, I've got another awesome guest with me today, chocolatier and owner of the Good Tempered Chocolate Company, Zoe Robertson. A quick couple of things before we jump to this interview. We recorded at the chocolate company itself and any ambient sounds are part of the location. You can also find a capsule version of this podcast, Creatively Reconstructed, on YouTube. I've wanted to do short episodes on these episodes for a long time and I finally got round to it. This is for those of you who are perhaps more visually inclined, or you don't have 15 minutes to listen to the audio, or you're just curious to see what the chocolate company Zoe and myself look like. It's handy to reach a couple of more people to and to share. Please check it out. It's only about 10 minutes or so, and you can let me know what you think. I'm open to any feedback. But for now, on to the chocolate company. A while back, I was asked, what is your superpower? I was actually asked this. <laughs> this is a true story. <laughs> I thought long and hard about this, but the answer was actually very simple. I make chocolate disappear. <laughs> more, more than more than a love, I'm fascinated by our relationship with chocolate and its strange ability to generally make us feel better. The actual saying is a quote from that I found online when I Google chocolate. It's not mine, <laughs> and I thought it did describe me accurately though. I mean, come on, have you watched Chocolat? Have you watched Chocolat? Yes, sir. Yes, great. (laughs) About a mysterious young chocolatier turning a small French village upside down with her magical chocolate creations. So unlike Juliette Binoche's character in the film, Zoe has a different kind of mystery to her than you'd expect. We're not only going to find out about her surprising career change and why she got into chocolate, but also how she was able to grow her sales on Instagram to such an extent that she had to open up a production site for a chocolate. So, welcome to the show, Zoe. Thank you for having me. Can you introduce yourself in the style of a film trailer? Um, Yes, we decided to go for Star
1: Wars. A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far away, a girl called Zoe had a university job in a chocolate shop in Canterbury. She loved that job, but the idea of having her own shop even more. In the years that followed, Zoe's career took another path and she spent nearly a decade fighting fires, which was where she met her now husband and chocolate sidekick, Scott. After two additions to the family, Zoe decided to take the plunge and try out her chocolate-making skills on the people of the Northeast. Zoe was fast gaining a loyal bunch of customers, but disaster nearly struck when the markets closed for lockdown one. Zoe feared she had made a terrible mistake. But those customers proved loyal and wanted their sweet treats even more when ordered to stay home. They ordered online and hundreds of parcels made their way out of Zoe's home kitchen. The Good Tempered Chocolate Company has now taken the leap of moving to its own premises to make and send the chocolate goodness to parts of the universe no chocolate has reached before. Join us on our journey.
0: Ooh, that sounds (laughs) like such (laughs) an exciting. And I'm so excited to find out more about how it all started. So you gave me a little bit of a taste of that. (laughs) Scene 1. Firefighter in North Shields. Now, you can correct me on any <laughs> of these points, but you moved to the northeast in 2008. Yes. I moved here a couple of years ago, knowing absolutely nothing about the place, and I was su- pleasantly surprised. And of course, not knowing anything about it, and having most people basically ask me just one question Oh, you're not going to London? And then that, that's where the, the conversation stopped because everybody yeah. was just thinking no, England, London, etc. Made it more exciting because I didn't know anything about it or what to expect. Yeah. Now, where did you grow up and why did you move? So I grew up in a town
1: called Worthing, which is down on the south coast. Mm-hmm. Some people have heard of it. Um, I went to university in Canterbury, which was, wasn't too far from where I grew up. It's just a couple of hours drive in Kent. Okay. I'd travelled a bit before I went to uni. I taught English in Argentina for a
0: few months. Ooh, um,
1: and I think that experience sort of gave me this notion that there wasn't just one life you could live, you could do different jobs, you could live in different places. I've never really imagined myself staying in one place um, forever. Um, but I'd moved up here with my ex we oh, all move right. <laughs> yes. <a> man, right. <laughs> I know it's uh, such a common theme. I, d- I, I loved it up here when I visited yeah. when we were in like university holidays um, so it wasn't too difficult a decision um, to move there was kind of this notion that it's grim up north. I don't know if you heard that before you moved here.
0: Yes. Strangely enough that I knew one person who grew up here who then moved to South Africa. So they just told me, oh, good luck. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> and it's, a, it's a notion. I think it came from yeah. like the industry up here. I think so. Like mm-hmm. the mining history. But
1: I I couldn't find it more different. I love it up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been up here 13 years. I love the beach the most I think like living yeah. by the sea where we are here
0: no definitely like for me it is the countryside because yeah. I'm like further or closer to Yorkshire yeah so it's just having the countryside but I'm, I'm suppose you've got it here too and then the beach just very close as well and then you've got like Newcastle and you've got York so you've got the 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 city centres never know what to call them because they're, they're like small cities yeah right? these yeah. cute cities but yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, I, I really love
1: it here and I've, yeah. I've loved it I've, and now I don't want to move I suppose I always had an idea I might mm. not stay here either but now yeah. very settled
0: Argentina I'm yeah. like a little bit jealous I've always wanted to go there. <laughs> can you give us a descriptive taste of the northeast so it's um
1: I would say like the the area where I live uh time with, It's like this coastal area, it's wild, it's windswept, and up to Northumberland, I love that, um, sort of the landscapes that we have here. Um, I've always found the people to be really warm um, and friendly. I liked that about when I moved up I didn't find it difficult to make friends when I came up here Mm -hmm. Um, when I first moved up the food scene was very different up here compared with what was happening in London and Mm -hmm. the south I felt like there really wasn't much here at all and having had that idea that I'd like to do something with chocolate it really went on the back burner because the food scene hadn't caught up but recent years it's really exploded and there's so much exciting stuff going on like food and drink here now
0: I definitely, I found the same thing, but I find now that it's more up in, like, the northern part of no, the northeast yeah. <laughs> than the southern part, and the southern part is now, like, oh, kind of right, catching okay, up. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. It's, it's a new Newcastle, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's spread outwards So well, yeah. I always find it really exciting when I ever I visit Newcastle because I'm like an hour away or something like yeah hour away from Newcastle so when I go to Newcastle or York it's really great it's really exciting because you get all these little shops and it's constantly changing and there's like different food But if I just stay where I am, I'm basically, okay, I have a choice between Italian, 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 (laughs) Indian, Italian, Italian, Italian. (laughs) And it's always the same,
1: so it's getting better though. There's places like the Fish Key around here where that has been Uh, like a more industrial background, like a fishing thing, but actually Mm. there's loads of really exciting like bars, restaurants, like music places popping up, and and it's Mm. quite a
0: change going on there. And so, North Shields, that's where you are based now. So like what I was thinking in my head, like the northern, northern part of northern England, (laughs) but not quite that north yet. (laughs) Um, And that's where your company, the Good Tempered Chocolate Co. or company uh, is based. And you've got a small team, as you described. Uh, You already mentioned um, them before you started your chocolate business, however, you did something very different. Mm-hmm. Now, can you describe, describe your life before chocolate and just basically give us a little taste of what were the best and the worst days like? Best and worst days. I think it was an interesting question. Um,
1: examining my life when I was thinking about these. <laughs> um, so I, th- I moved up here without a career plan I settled very quickly into an admin job just to pay the bills it was the first thing I could get them and I really craved something more exciting Mm. at that time Um, So this was back 2008 I was really into running at that point. I'd just ran the London Marathon before I moved up here. And so yeah. I was really into my fitness. And then um, yeah. I enjoyed the physical challenge of that a, a lot. So I started looking into applying for the fire service. It was something that I'd considered when I was much younger. And mm-hmm. I think people have probably gone, nah, why do you want you to do that? And I started training really hard to see if I could pass the tests. I heard that they were recruiting the following year that was coming. Um, and I got into Tyne & Weir fire service in mm-hmm. 2010. Um, and I was there for nine years. Um, nine years? Yeah, before I left, so till 2019. So in terms of, like, good days, that, like, that job, it was so different from anything I'd done before because I'd always done quite academic kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the training course was, it was quite military style. Oh, okay. Yeah, which right. was just a shock to my system. But okay. it, it did, it toughened me up um, a lot, like, physically and mm-hmm. mentally as well. Um and on a good day, that, that feeling of working as a team, like with a watch, like working really physically hard, making a difference to someone's life, um, it could be amazing. Like on a day where we had a job that was challenging. I worked with a great bunch of people.
0: Did you um, just f- fight like fires? Did you this what you actually did? Yeah. You <laughs> <fight>? <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's like, it's a, it's a physically challenging mm-hmm. job. And I think like as a woman doing that job, I always wanted to prove that I could do everything that mm-hmm. people I worked with could do and yet I think on our watch we always had a balance of skills and you know I could never pretend that I was a six foot four man who could like yeah. shift as much weight as someone else but then there were times we had jobs when I could get through a window that someone else couldn't fit through mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah so there was some really satisfying moments in that job there's also like a lot of routine and procedure in mm-hmm. it which as time went on I started to find a bit frustrating because I've always had like a creative side to me and that was probably the bit that I found more frustrating. Mm-hmm. But like I probably would have just lived with that if it hadn't been for having kids and then I really started to like reevaluate oh, things.
0: Oh right. So was that like the turning point for you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Right. Okay, so yeah. it wasn't
0: like i'm i'm just not feeling this job anymore it was it was
1: more of a logistical thing and also that with that frustration thought well what else is there for me because i didn't necessarily think i need to be in this career for the next 35 years and that's me okay um so like we me and my husband didn't find it too difficult to juggle like the childcare when we had our first baby um okay so it's kind of easier to juggle childcare with a really young child um, okay But it was after, well we started to juggle school times when he went to preschool and then we had our second baby and it was after I had him that I realised actually between my shifts, my husband's shifts and a preschool and a nursery, the juggle was just crazy and Mm -hmm. I started to think actually there might be something different for me probably on the worst days when after I went back with two kids there were days where I was just so exhausted and I felt guilty that I wasn't with them like Mm because obviously had to work holidays and stuff and yes so yeah there was some lower points sort of just trying to juggle it all I suppose um
0: yeah so would you say it was just the kind of like not seeing how everything can really fit in and still having that kind of it comes down to well-being, to being happy at work, being happy in your Definitely. personal life, and just feeling like all the the pieces are actually fitting in well. Yeah. Um, and you, sure. you'll still get time to look after yourself, too, because that's important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's really interesting. Now, I've got plenty of questions on that, but I just want to c- come back to the fact that you you actually did move um, from the south to the north, and then you did change your, <clears> your <throat> jobs as well during the time here, and you spent... Uh, nine years in the same job and then changed. Just one clarification. Did you meet your husband during... Uh, like, was he also a firefighter yeah, and that's how you yeah, met him? Yeah, he's oh, a firefighter. Okay, so he your, still your is. Boat, as oh, he's still
1: in that job. Yeah,
0: do, he still American. do that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So now on the just the point of starting a new life and also starting a new job in, in because you've got experience of both, do you think that like culture within the same country but between different regions is different, and this is something that's fascinated me, moving here, having family in the south, living in the north, and I've obviously travelling between the two parts of the country, I feel that difference every single time, Yeah. Um, but I'd like to get your opinion on it, Was and what was perhaps for you the hardest, because you've elaborated on all the good things about the north-east, what were some of the hardest parts for you to adapt to? Um. Well, I'd,
1: I definitely think there's different cultures around the country yeah. for sure. Um, even different parts of the north. I would say people in the northwest would consider that to be quite different from. I know, here, yeah, I once East. made the mistake. Of
0: <laughs> just assuming we're all the same. Yeah, Manchester a very
1: different <laughs> city. It's a lush right. city, too different. Um, the north in particular, Claire, has got a very proud mining heritage, mm-hmm. I think, and that's a, a lot of people up here people that I knew through the fire service went through really hard times or their their parents when those mines were closing and the area's still got a lot of history about that which people are proud of I mean I've I don't know if I'm generalizing because there's good and bad people everywhere but I've found sort of the people in the northeast to be very unpretentious I suppose and warm and I like that I think I. It sounds silly, but I found it. It's a lot colder up here than where I grew up. Yeah. And
0: like, and sometimes then and in you the summer, i like, some...
1: God, like, could I just have some hot
0: days? I um, imagine from a South African's perspective. Yeah, I oh, bet. Goodness. Yeah.
1: Um, so I'll never get used to the cold. Um, yeah. People like don't wear coats on nights out, and I just I can't get on board with that. Never have done. All oh, right. But I suppose like, I don't think it's so much like a culture. Difficulty, but until the pandemic, I never felt the distance very much because my mum and dad would come up here quite regularly, Mm -hmm. and we would get back down there and visit them. um, And then this last year and a half, I've really felt the distance. Um, Like my granny died in first lockdown, and I couldn't go to her funeral, and I, I still feel really sad about that. And I thought, well, my family who lived down near her got to experience that because they were closer Mm. to her and so I have really felt that distance recently and and that's been harder but hopefully...
0: Hopefully we're coming out of that. Yes, so, we were just talking about that before we started this recording. Yeah. It's just like everything yeah. turning back to normal in one day. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it's never happened. <laughs> one day we'll but yeah, change. you know, um, I, I mean, that's what really made it difficult was that distance. And it's the same, like you you don't realise distance until you mm. can't actually go no, anywhere. You're physically not having yes, to. Yes. Yeah. Scene two, Chocolate Creations. Okay, so now we're getting onto the chocolate part yeah. of it all. Uh, so the Good Temper Chocolate Company was a side hustle. Now, I might Same be wrong hustle. on this. Did you still do firefighting and start the chocolate company or did you like just you said, for a okay, short, amount of, for time, a short yes. amount of time yeah okay so but you did set it up exclusively on Instagram so you did yeah. not set it up on any other platform no, yeah right in the beginning I was yes there was <laughs> yeah did you have like an idea of what you were going to do like did you just think okay well I'm just gonna make some chocolate put some pictures on Instagram see if anyone wants it I so i well
1: I'd learned how to make chocolate when I was at University and I had a mm. part-time job in a lovely mm, yes. French chocolate shop, which actually got compared to that Chocolat movie you were talking about. Oh, a right. lot. Um, really? A French lady mm. who ran it, um, and it's I'd it's have still, to go it's there still in I... Canterbury. <gasps> it's very beautiful if you ever go to Canterbury.
0: Yeah.
1: Um So I loved working there, and I loved like experimenting with the mm-hmm. chocolate. I think is it somewhere between like art and baking. It's got this kind of middle ground. You can be Definitely. quite arty with chocolate. Yeah. Um, but I knew deep down I. I didn't want to work for someone else forever. I had the chance to move up here and I knew if I wanted to carry that on it, I'd want to make something that was my own style. And it was on the back burner in my head for a long time. I did little gifts to people at Christmas. I would buy small amounts of ingredients and make things. But it was when... Just near the end of my maternity with my second baby and now I'm aware of this. I was very lucky with my second baby Mm -hmm. compared with the first one that he slept very well. I had a much more positive experience of maternity leave the mm-hmm. second time round and I started to feel quite creative again like
0: okay
1: I guess it was I had a good birth experience which mm-hmm. I don't know some women might uh, might understand like that makes you feel quite Comfortable in yourself compared with my, the first time I had a baby, I found it yeah. much more difficult. So, so, towards the end of that maternity leave, I started to create a bit more. Like, he would sleep through the evenings, both my kids were asleep, and I was like, I'm going to try some stuff out. And uh, I just had this idea that maybe when I went back, things would start to get difficult with childcare. So, I had this practical thing in my head mm-hmm. what if there was something out? Else out there for me. My husband was really supportive of it. He thought it was cool, and we just started to dream up what the brand would look like and what sort of thing we wanted. And so it was just after a few months back, I thought this is really hard to juggle, and we're struggling just keeping everything together. Mm -hmm. By then, I was trying to run a chocolate business (laughs) as well. (laughs) um, But that was really when I thought, now I'm going to go for it.
0: Yes, and I mean, can you give some perspective on? were you the first person to kind of trial this out in the area and maybe also what is, what? how would you describe your brand style? It's, so there's
1: I'm definitely not the only one. There's a few um, chocolate businesses in the okay. area. Nowhere near as many as there would be down south or say in okay. London. all right. Even not far from here, there's, you might have heard of the Chocolatesmiths. They're oh, very no, wacky. They make like bizarre oh, chocolate right. bars. They have a massive Instagram following. Oh, I don't um, know so they. they're probably okay. the biggest one locally. Right. They make okay. a very different product from us here. I have this notion because a lot of fine chocolate is done incredibly beautifully and i love seeing that kind of style you know like cocoa butter colors and very delicate and it's very much a gift but i had this notion that i wanted to make it that the taste to be amazing but the product to be more informal
0: right is that where the slab yeah the slab thing came from okay and
1: i sort of wanted people to buy themselves a slab and I want them to feel like they can just sit down on the evening with a cup of tea and crack it open and scoff the whole thing and okay but that'd be really good chocolate it didn't have to be like a, a cheap bar of dairy milk to that you could have yep. an artisan handmade good good tasting product but okay. it felt like you could have it yourself and I just really like it. say if I do a market and I see sometimes people will walk away from the stall and rip in the packet open yeah, no. already, and so well, that sort of style was
0: Yes, and then just uh, what I was like referring to in terms of your brand style. Do you think you've got like a minimalist? Because, well, we were talking about this just before. Yeah, the the minimalist. minimalist. Yeah. Yeah. Do you because and I'm just like looking at your sign here and obviously your your Instagram feel or vibe. It is a, a very minimalist yet decorative. If I can describe, how, how would you describe yeah, it? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can write my elevator pitch. Um,
1: yeah, I did. I wanted to keep it simple. And I think it's something I was, in one of your other questions you were going to ask, thinking about how I have wanted to stick to that branding. Yeah. And I often get asked by people to do things that are different from that style or do you could you do like a selection of this type of chocolates or could you do mini slabs or could you do this and I think I've really tried hard to stick to like this is what I do we do like slabs and eggs and then the occasional simple box things but trying to stick to that branding because (laughs) I feel like we've got to a point where I really like what we've created and I want to make that really clear what that brand is
0: and that is very distinctive so I'm glad it's worked, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean like it's you can recognize it instantly. Like I don't even really need to see, okay, that was opposed by the Good Tempered Chocolate Company, because I can just see, okay, well yeah, they, those are the slabs, oh, Okay. That's and really they look really, really yummy. <laughs> as always. And I'm like, I'm super embarrassed. I've because I've went I went to your website at multiple times but they're always it just has sold, it sold, has sold until sold. now it has been sold out <laughs> yeah it's
1: true 90% of the time and we've just since we've upped our production oh, we right, do now because, have like the main because, slab
0: range we've right. got in stock now and then so let's just take it one step back to the actual you know like steps of the business how did you go about so you've now quit your job you've got this thing on instagram now on the steps did you just think okay well now i just need to start posting regularly i need to start growing this thing on instagram and then, yeah. Well, how did it, how did it go? So, what did you do? Because I think a lot of people, like even me and some content creators, we we start an Instagram account or another type of account, and you you don't always know how what you need to do to grow. No. if you get what I'm saying, yeah. So it's I. I've loved Instagram from the start.
1: I joined it quite early on when it was quite a new app. um, And just because I like taking photos, I love the the visual nature of it. um, And it's all based around images. Yes. Um, I've never been on Twitter and I've deleted my Facebook account and I've always had it as like a hard line. I don't want to be on those platforms for my business just because I don't like them. And I think if I am going to make my business work for me... um, I'm not going to join them. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, what some people think that's mad, but Instagram's what I like. And um, I felt before I started the business that there was a lot of potential to style food products into like lifestyle images. Oh, right. And I think sort of as a business, what I've learned or what I thought the beginning and gradually learned that it's got to, be, your Instagram's got to be more than an advert because I don't like just feeling like i have been sold to, like buy oh, this, buy yeah. this. It's you, you're like and over d- it. You aren't get you? a lot of that on Instagram. Yeah, now, and so, so I, I think like your images that you sh- where you show your product and what you do have got to make people want a part of that. Mm-hmm. And so I've always felt like if you create an image that someone who might become a customer is going to go, oh look at that, like lush cup of coffee with the sunlight coming in and that is broken chocolate I want to eat that and I want to drink that coffee then that's better than going buy this chocolate (laughs) it's like yeah um, and so and I like that kind of giving people the idea of like this can be really tasty or you could take this to the beach or you could have this with some wine or you could have and creating those images Mm -hmm. that make people want it and then but you have got to then back that up with the product, like you've
0: yeah, got course, to you be like, <laughs> have this great image and make people want it. But then once they have it, they've got to think like, wow, that's as good as it looked. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's maybe the difficult part of Instagram, just because that's the nature of photos. We we have this ability to kind of stage them. Yeah, and it's great to show that lifestyle or that thing behind it, and often it does reflect what you've actually experienced. But then, I think the for People and I've experienced this, t- like buying something from Instagram from a photo I've seen, and then you get the product and it just doesn't live up to definitely. it, and then you just—that's when that moment of trust completely breaks yeah. down. Clo- like clothes, yes, for sure, yes. I've done it with
1: something that looks oh, yes, amazing, exactly. and you get it, that's... and you're like,
0: "What? what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah." So, um and I mean, like I've mentioned it before, your Instagram had definitely has that lifestyle f- feeling to it, and a very authentic feeling, like. And I don't like the word authentic because it's used too much at the moment, and I think people are starting to just use it for anything, and we're just losing touch on what is actually authentic. Because <laughs> now everything is just yeah. oh, oh, we're so authentic. But for you, what I experience when I go onto your Instagram is like literally just you. Like I don't know how to describe I'm that. Trying, but well, <laughs> Just you. Try to. I'm glad that's, that's that's what it's doing. Because that's what I yeah. would hope Is that for what it you to be? what you hope? To yeah. End obviously it's worked because it's led you to to opening this but I'm getting a little bit of ahead of myself so if you would just like to maybe part of the the success of your Instagram is obviously this these amazing slabs well they look so colorful and artful and you're quite like you've got a balance between something that's stylish or elegant but also playful so how did you you've touched on how you chose your style of chocolate but what makes yours worth trying I
1: think it's the the informality of it like people should buy this for themselves and they should treat themselves with it um and there's amazing flavors in there I I never sell a flavor that I don't like myself like Mm -hmm. there isn't one slab over there and those that I wouldn't want to eat on a night time and I don't choose flavors that I don't like so even if there's something that other people might like if it doesn't appeal to me I don't make it oh that's I interesting <laughs> I want to I want to love it and
0: yeah. I've
1: never gone down the route of weird flavors um I've hovered around chocolate and chili Ooh. a few times like because a lot of people love chocolate and chili and I've done a- slabs a couple of times but yeah. then I like the much more sweet things and so I've always okay. gravitated back to those kind of sweet nutty caramelly mm. flavors what's your favorite and things I really, I really love the gold and hazelnut one, which is like the caramelised white chocolate swelled in oh with the hazelnuts. Right. Um I mean, I'll be honest, I love them all. Because only, I've only kept the coarse lab range ones that I love. Mm. Um, just depends on the mood,
0: <laughs> really. I know, it's such a tough question, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? But yeah, I would say it's sort of if people want to
1: have like a really good quality treatment, it's for themselves and it's to share as well. Like we like to mm-hmm. break, because they're not like... May, I don't make them in bar moulds, I cut the slabs like they're hand oh, cut and right. so they sort of appeal to just being broken apart and you think me and my husband will sit on the sofa
0: in the evening and break it apart and yeah. eat bit. Well, this makes me so hungry at the moment. I've just had <laughs> breakfast, but yeah, chocolate at any time of the day. You can day. <laughs> them away from here, I've got a little bag for you. Um, what would you say, so just on the flavours again, just to give people maybe like um, an auditory i don't i can't even think of what expression i want to use there but like audio taste yeah <laughs> so maybe one of your best selling chocolates
1: yes yeah, so we we keep this core now now we've yeah. been able to make more we're keeping this core slab range which we call it in stock and we've got like two flavors of white chocolate two darks mm. and then four or five milk chocolate ones and they are like I feel like really solid flavours that people love. We've got like a milk chocolate peanut butter and raspberry one. Mm. And there's a white chocolate crunchy mint, which people are always like surprised by but it's really popular. White, sorry,
0: crunchy mint. Yeah, oh. like so
1: it's white chocolate with mint. It's yeah. a really sweet mint. because. Um, yeah mint always gets done with, with time, the, yeah it.
0: exactly that's it yeah mm-hmm. and we've
1: got like a dark chocolate hazelnut praline and they're the ones that we're making all year round and then we're doing like limited editions through the year depending on the, like the time of year the flavors if there's mm-hmm. special occasions christmas we did like some spice like chai spiced marzipan Ooh, yeah
0: i saw stuff. those i like that one <laughs> <laughs> and then like over easter you had these eggs and yeah. then like i was just looking because that was around about the time when i wanted to order and i was just like looking at the instagram it's
1: like, oh, <laughs> so looks so Yeah, it got crazy busy on mm. Easter. So that's the, the way we're doing it. We've got yeah. this core stabbing and then special edition and the eggs. I do love making an egg, so I'll make eggs throughout the
0: year, not just for Easter. I mm-hmm. like doing a special edition egg. Mm-hmm. And then, well, okay, so we've touched on you've had had the ro- children at ro- roughly the same time and now you, you've you quit your job and um, started your chocolate business on Instagram. That was just in Instagram. You did all your production at home. Yeah. How do all of these different facets of your life fit together? Children, family, chocolate, and firefighting. With well, firefighting doesn't fit yeah. in anymore. My <laughs> <but> husband <laughs> still firefighting.
1: He does that. Um, I would say, if I'm honest, it doesn't always fit. Um, okay. And I think anyone with kids would probably admit that, like, once you have children, it's just a constant juggle. Yeah. And okay. they just have this habit of just throwing the unexpected in all the time like yesterday I was really getting ahead here like Anna was wrapping loads of chocolate yeah. I'd made loads of chocolate we were, had some stuff to plan for Father's Day in the afternoon and I got a phone call from nursery and my little boy had banged his head Aww. and I had to go and get him and that was just the day he was fine
0: Is it was okay? just like
1: that yeah. work that I was going to do yesterday yeah. afternoon was just still thrown up in the air and so then I was doing stuff at 11 o'clock last night and I think that's just If you're a bit of a control freak, which I suppose I like to have all my ducks in a row, everything organised, having kids, I've really struggled with that at times, Mm. like not being able to just plan ahead and get stuff done how I want to.
0: Um,
1: But on the plus side, I think for the business, it's made me really think carefully about what I say yes to because I haven't got time to say yes to everything. And I think for a lot of small businesses, it's hard to say no because if you're trying to make a living for yourself and you do need to make money and opportunities come up Mm -hmm. they might not be quite right for you but you feel like well if it's another couple of hundred pounds I I can't say no when actually it's better to say no and so having the kids there has actually made me have to say no to all the things that aren't quite right because I just Mm -hmm. haven't got time it's just it just has to be flexible because my husband's still working shifts and so around the kids and what we do here and what my husband's working
0: we've just really had to keep it flexible because things get thrown up in the air all the time Um, yeah I can imagine but that's a very good point that you've made about like how on the one hand having kids makes it a little bit unpredictable what's going to happen but on the other hand it has made you think very carefully on how you're going to uh, prioritize your time because if you just take on everything and I mean it's so true what you say as a small business, we're very tempted to just say yes, 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 yeah. because more exposure, more uh, business, more that this. But at the end of the day, you stretch yourself so thin, and, and you can end you're, up spending hours and hours on something and that you think, actually has I, at the end of this. I'm not sure. Exactly. Yeah. Then there's no return on on the time you've spent. So yeah. that's and a That's a good and point. long term. I think if you yeah. if you take
1: on less and do those bits well Mm -hmm. then longer term you've got a more solid base and satisfied customers and i I think like it might you know not as grow as fast as like sometimes i would Mm -hmm. like to be able to do more but actually if we can keep the customers we have satisfied and grow that gradually then hopefully a (laughs) long-term solid base
0: (laughs) can you just out of interest sake um what is one of the things or type of things that you've had to say no to um i'd say i've toned down
1: a lot of wholesale requests, oh, especially right. I, recently, yeah. yes. um, and a lot of them really, really great businesses. Like people ask, and and some like bigger, say, department stores or everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're like, we really want to stock your product, and mm-hmm. I've actually thought about it long and hard, and thought, you know, for because obviously that involves a discount and somebody else's brand controlling yours, and mm-hmm. most of them they're, they're beautiful places and great but i actually like having the control over my brand that i get from mostly selling it on a website direct from us to the customer Mm -hmm. but there is a lot of opportunities i've turned down where that could have potentially been like money coming in Mm -hmm. for the business but i've had to say like actually on balance i'm going to say
0: no to that and stick to the to the website um That's a another interesting point. So this yeah. is something that I would I don't think about because I don't have like a product that I'm selling. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so that's a it's a good point to make in terms of how to decide when to go wholesale and when to keep control of your product so yeah. that it's just under you and you actually get like. You decide where it goes, what gets done to it, and obviously the return, there's a direct link always between you yeah. and the customer. Yeah. Which is really the best way to do your business because the moment it goes wholesale, it also loses a bit of its that special you know, like that, the exclusivity. You know that's, that exclusivity. Yeah, that's I think the so. And that's how
1: I that's how I feel <laughs> yeah. at the moment. Like I couldn't tell you that five yeah. years down the line it wouldn't yeah, suit exactly. it wouldn't suit to say you well, know we will do that. But at the moment I feel like for the amount we can produce and what the customers want no. that works for us and so yes. I have I have said no to those things
0: yeah. yeah but I mean that's exactly the other thing is that that further down the line you can actually say yes to the exact right opportunities that come up for those yeah for those moments yeah. if, 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 if that something makes sense. arises yeah. and I think that yes this does
1: fit really well and yes it works for
0: right. us. Yeah. scene three from Instagram sales to brick and mortar Okay so we've gone a little bit into how you've grown your business from Instagram and I'm thinking that you must be really popular uh, in the northeast. Are you popular like in the broader country like nationally or? Um... Um, it's definitely grown. grown. Um, okay. th- I would say When
1: I first started it was all local because oh, right. it was okay. people coming to markets but then since um, the lockdowns happened we've just seen this gradual increase in orders popping up from different mm. places right. and I think that might be customers gifting things to people they of know course. or people yeah. who've seen customers who live in different places and then just you know well I can order it so and we have yeah. there's still a big amount of our orders come from
0: this northeast area but still lots more popping up here, isn't it? okay and I think that's maybe something that's going to grow in the future but just because everyone's now more conscious of doing business online, getting your products online. Um, And, of course, you've grown to the extent that you had to get your own production site. And for many small business owners, however, and even content creators, and this is a point I've already touched on, just simply growing an audience on Instagram is tough. Now, you were in the lucky position of being on the platform quite early on. I think like before it like really became saturated which is more in the recent years where it's like like Facebook now it's very difficult to yeah. to find your niche and grow within that niche but if you could maybe just say what have helped you most to grow according to you you need like a certain number of followers and likes
1: to to actually sell some stuff so oh, you right. do that that I grew that very slowly I remember sort of when I first set the Instagram up and just putting out to my friends Mm -hmm. on my personal Instagram saying if you want to follow along I'm going to make some chocolates and okay but and if you don't have anyone following you no one's going to see anything but I've always thought that it's more important to grow those followers like it into a kind of like a quality following like for example it, there'd be no point me having a load of followers in the usa because i don't ship there oh, and so yeah that would look great for me to say i've got twenty thousand followers but if that doesn't translate into any sales then my business won't go very far okay um so i've always like tagged my posts by location i've always put north shields or timeth or this area because i've mm. been aware that if there's a market or if we have a shop then it's better for the people following us to have found us they live around here too and oh. they might want to come shop locally and also then in light of i think it was growing anyway but in light of the pandemic this desire to shop locally mm-hmm. That even if people are shopping on a website now i think they are keen to shop local and so if you mm-hmm. hashtag local things like um small business newcastle or shop local newcastle things like that that then people in this area will still want to buy from your website yeah. and have it posted to them yeah knowing that you're a local person making something
0: so you think the local aspect did help a lot in for, your growth for our business yes, yeah, because you've got so. that um focus and of yeah. course your shipping is well national but local yeah but you've got your following here mostly and
1: you need to every now and then you need the followers to grow like and sort of now we've suddenly up to our production we can make more and so we can sort of branch out a bit more and try yeah. and promote things more whereas before I was like oh my god they're <laughs>
0: selling out every two minutes oh, <laughs> so. how often do you post on instagram um, probably, do you have any advice I try
1: and put stories on it like every day I suppose okay, but right. probably try and do a grid post every two or three days
0: two or three days yeah. okay so it's a roughly like I don't know three times a week three yeah, to four I times a week exactly. yeah. okay yeah. do you use any other features of Instagram or just the normal posts and stories do those work for you and yes they yeah. have done I've tried okay. a couple of reels and frankly it's just <laughs> that's why I'm I haven't asking. had
1: time to get my yeah. head around it and I've I see people know. trying out these things where they're pointing yeah. to different stuff and I just haven't had time okay. to really all suss right. it um and I think I need to not fall too far behind here because yeah. I know it's growing and that real
0: side of things is growing mm-hmm. but I have done a couple okay haven't turned it big all right I think what were the most challenging professional decisions you had to make
1: probably what we were saying before about saying no to things oh, um, right. and what were the results of that do you think it's very varied I try and be really honest with people like if they ask me to do stuff and I'm gonna say no without going to because my husband says I, I get too personal I go actually at the moment like I can't take on too much because oh, of my children yeah. he's like just chill on all the personal details <laughs> and so mm. I try and say, like, okay, we've decided not to take the business down that route, but mm-hmm. thanks so much for thinking of us. And people on yeah. the whole most part just say, Oh, okay, thanks. Yeah, um, of course. That's a shame. Let us know if you change yeah. your mind. Um, but I suppose I don't like letting people down and I don't like saying no because it's just maybe a, maybe it's a woman thing as well. Like you want mm. to be nice and you want to say yes to things yeah. and actually it does make me nervous when I have to say no, but it mm. always feels better, doesn't it, when you know you've made a decision that's right. And... Yeah.
0: No, that's definitely true. I mean, I s- struggle with the same dilemma. I'm very much a yes person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I always feel bad when I doesn't say no. Doesn't help when you're lying awake at, like,
1: wondering why you said yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Of course, that that feeling of, why, why did I take this on? Yeah. It'd rather just be very positive about something, put your all into that uh, task or whatever it is, than have that kind of doubt or wait, if you like. Yeah, Um, I think
1: having having your own business, there's that many downsides. Like, you don't have a pension, you don't get sick pay, you don't get holidays, (laughs) and so if you're going to have all those downsides of being self-employed then what's the main upside is that you control what you do and I try and remember that and it's like Mm. I'm my own boss here and if I don't have to take something on and I can say no it's just having to be strong and go sit
0: down (laughs) and say no (laughs) okay I'm gonna take your advice on that (laughs) so now most of us have a love-hate relationship with social media and I'm choosing this because this question because we've obviously spoken about Instagram and you've touched on the fact that you just don't want to be on Facebook and Twitter, which I yeah. think is very legit. It's a very legitimate feeling because I have those same feelings and I've actually recently decided I'm not to on Twitter anymore. I because I just like, I d- it's too much anyway, and I yeah. would love to go off Facebook, except that, you know, like at the moment I've got like my site, um, my page and everything, and it's got a couple of followers, so yeah. I feel kind of obliged. <laughs> but yes, I totally get where you're coming from. It is, however, like an undeniable aspect of our living, of having a presence online, especially if you've got a small business. And we found this, of course, during COVID-19 is very was very important, still is very important. Yeah. Now, in light of your expansion, what is the most important for you personally and also from a business perspective? Followers and likes. So that's the first option. Yeah. <laughs> Growing a community around your product. And how would you suggest growing that community if that is the thing that you think is most important or having a physical shop uh, where where customers can come in and meet up now this is a production site but you did mention people pick up like deliveries and, and well not do yeah, we've pick up we've got the I no not yet. So we've it's not the like a shop that jump, that okay. something Okay, yeah. could and right, That right, comes back
1: again yeah. to my childcare okay. responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> I can't at the moment guarantee that yeah. on a Friday I will be here. All from, right, d- I'm coming and going all the time, and I think people like to know when you're open mm. yeah. and when you're closed. And and I don't like the idea of messing people
0: around. Okay, so, so which of those three do you is most important?
1: It's I think growing the community, which ends up with the likes and stuff there's a lot of chat among businesses at the moment about how it's not just likes on your post on yeah. instagram that get it sort of sent out to a bigger audience it's whether people save the post and how much they comment on the post and yeah, exactly. you see some business actually asking people to comment and I don't yes. really like doing that I think I think I it's, do that it's um <laughs> My bad and yeah. If it's like, you know, sometimes people just put like, oh, nobody seems to be seeing my posts, can you comment yeah. below? And you think, well, give me someone to comment on then. Yeah, <laughs> like, all right, um, I see. So it's just my opinion, but maybe it works. And Because we all occasionally will post a picture, you post it at the wrong time of day or something, and you're like, oh... It's like it's just disappeared in the Instagram mm. ether. Yeah. And once a few people haven't seen it, you're like, oh, that one's going to bomb. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and every now and then you post something at the right time of day and it's a picture that obviously interests people and the likes just snowball, don't they? And you're like, wow, that one got loads of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the most important thing, if you're selling a physical product, yeah. which I am, is that those pictures do encourage people to buy the thing And then when they have it to post about
0: it themselves. Well, to be honest, like I've not really cracked Instagram yet. Well, I'm also fairly new on it and in general I'm I've never been a social media person. So for me it's like only a while, it's been a year now, but I do understand what you mean by like when you just post on the wrong time of day and then Mm. just like <laughs> Nobody sees us. Yeah, well. and sometimes it feels like they're being mean because yeah, you think, no, Oh, I'm just know. a small business and you've hidden my
1: post. Yeah. Um but and people really really respond well I find to the personal stuff. Like I do notice they? if mm-hmm. and it's hard because you don't want to put pictures of yourself on all the time. Well I don't yeah. yeah. When I do put something on, say like, Oh look, we've got the kitchen set up, that gets loads of likes and people like to see, yeah. Oh look, this person's started their business, yeah. there they are in their kitchen. Um, so it's just a balance, I think between mm-hmm. showing people your products, telling people what you're selling and when, and then also putting some insight into what who you are and what you're doing
0: yes well th- those are really useful tips, and I think it's it is hard I mean, like I'm definitely not there. I mean, I don't even have a thousand followers on Instagram. I've got like I don't know what how many I don't really keep count but and it's not for me, it's definitely not about that it is about that engagement, but it's sometimes the, also the people who follow you need to be the people who can actually be able to engage yeah. with your and it depends your on what content. your business is Because yeah. like
1: and what you what whether it's a very, very visual thing and whether mm. people would follow to look at pictures yeah like so I think but, in chocolate people do like looking at pictures of chocolate, yeah don't? and
0: I was gonna say like <laughs> it it's easier like even for me when I go on Instagram like there might be like pictures of what my friends are doing what other say podcasters are doing and it's easy to like those pictures. But it's not always easy to necessarily engage with them. Yeah. or well, sometimes like, you even just like a picture without reading the yeah, captions exactly. only. And they might have
1: written something that they thought was really important. <laughs> yeah, and, and then they, like, you just nobody's never Nobody's even
0: read that. But <laughs> especially with, like, say, a chocolate... Or a food company, or something that's just like very obvious on what it was. Yeah. Like then you can be like, oh wow, that looks amazing. Yeah. And we'll it's just, just easy that. and quick yeah. to to put that comment. So yeah. it also depends on what you do. Okay, bonus question time. <laughs> <laughs> now, given that we all love chocolate, and I'm just generalizing yeah. and I'm accepting accepting this because the one percent or ten percent that say they don't like uh, like chocolate lies. They, mad. They're, they're not telling the truth. <laughs> <It's> mad. <laughs> Do you think that a chocolate business concept is something anyone can do in any country and likely be successful?
1: It's a very interesting question.
0: Um, Given that we all like chocolate.
1: Yeah, and I thought oh, there's there's countries in the world where chocolate is a very big business. Take mm-hmm. the obvious of Belgium, yeah. and there's a chocolatier on every street. Yeah. Would I try and set this business up if I happen to move to Belgium? I don't think so. All oh, right. No. Okay. Um. But it's just my personal opinion. Some people might want to rest that challenge. Yeah. I'd probably be reluctant to do it somewhere really hot. I feel like in the summer, this can be a bit of a nightmare mm. to work with. I don't know if in much hotter places, they have much better air conditioning. But mm. in a hot country, it could be a bit of a nightmare. The way I've set this up anyway. Yeah. But saying that, I mean, Anna, who works here, has lived in Denmark. Mm. And her brother lives in Sweden. And... Okay they sort of have the opinion that actually this kind of branding and this style of product would work well in a scandinavian oh. um market definitely the style um, of product. so i think it depends what country you be in yeah. but i also think saying that if you've got the passion for a business and you're willing to plan it properly you can make something work if you believe in it and you've got the maths to back it up as well because i think like the hardest thing when you're setting up a business is to especially a creative one is Mm -hmm. to ignore the finances of it and obviously in every country that's different like what you're importing what you're using how much you can sell your product Mm -hmm. for how much the people in that country are willing to pay compared with what else is available Um, and I think if you're willing to do that nitty-gritty of it then you can make something work somewhere Mm -hmm. else. Um, But there'd definitely be some countries I'd be more confident in than others. Imagine that. That's my honest answer.
0: (laughs) You can be like the only very, very English chocolate company in Belgium. Yeah, they'd be like,
1: who does she think
0: she is? Yeah. Well, just to wrap things up, before we go into our quickfire meaning of life, can you give three tips to be successful as a small business owner?
1: Okay, this is, I mean... I don't know how successful I am, so I don't know how valued my advice uh, is. Success, yeah, <laughs> success is uh, subjective. Yeah. So, um, achieving what you set out to achieve. Yeah. I think, so the three things I thought was, be clear about what you offer and stick to your vision. Otherwise, mm-hmm. what's the point of being your own boss? Then secondly, I put, do the maths or get someone to help you do the maths if you really hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you truly understand how much you need to sell to make a living because if the math doesn't add up then you won't be able to continue um and then look at your customers look after them especially the ones who come back um say thank you to them make sure that they keep having a great service from your business and make them keep wanting to come back and i think that's really important to look after the people who have already bought from you
0: great (laughs) they're my three things yes yes. (laughs) excellent tips And then our quick fire meaning of life. These are just quick questions, quick answers. I normally call it round 42 from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I don't own, you know it. (laughs) Yay. For (laughs) ages. (laughs) I've started rereading it and yes. So, first question. You're out at the pub. What do you order? What do I order? Drink wise. What drink? What drink?
1: I'd order like a local IPA.
0: Yeah. Right. I sorry. <laughs> I haven't been to the pub for years. <laughs> These are meant to no, be very, 12 months. <laughs> very tricky questions. Yeah. IPA. <laughs> okay, most common misconception of England or English culture and the north in particular? Um, that we don't have good food. Definitely. Especially up north. Misconception, (laughs) definitely. What important truth do very few people agree with you on? Um, We touched on it earlier, but I think that how much money you make
1: is like the measure of success. Okay. So I'd say your freedom um, and how you get to spend your life is also a measure of success. Great.
0: Yes. And then tomorrow, this is a serious question. The one thing you desperately want to change in your life, but you need that oh. extra bit of bravery. So what would you do tomorrow if you were 20% braver? Okay, well, I wrote a stupid answer to this. I wrote, I'd get my nose pierced again. <laughs> <laughs> that's it not, really that's not a stupid answer. <laughs> yeah.
1: But... Um, expanding this business was a massive leap i was petrified to take on this and you know the startup loan mm-hmm. that we needed mm-hmm. to to develop this business um so i'd say that's probably what we've done recently that has really scared me yeah i hope it pays off
0: yeah Who knows? well it's been an incredible journey just following you on instagram and i love the look of your production site and i can't wait to finally try <laughs> the chocolate i'm gonna send you away with some um i do hope you all the best and i'm very very excited for you and thank you so much for joining me on the show thank you for having me really appreciate it so where very oh my goodness I've almost forgot to ask you and this is the most important of oh, everything what where, where can people find you where can they actually order your chocolate or oh, just okay. look at it, and <laughs> admire it
1: so we are mainly selling now on our website which is okay. com, and we are also once a month doing jasmine food market Great. which I always post the dates on of my instagram and we mm. just have A very tiny selection of local stockists who uh, we are still stocking through. Great. They're on the
0: website too. And the Instagram handle: Good Tempered Chocolate Co. Great. That's a wrap, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you're a creator currently living abroad or you want to live abroad, get in touch. Say hello on Insta at creators.abroad or head over to our website, creatorsabroad.com. You can find out more about my podcast, production studio, and content creation consultancy. All the details are on my website. I've also got a trailer episode for the podcast called What to Expect. If you're interested in listening to more episodes, I suggest heading to that short trailer episode and that will help you decide. You can also subscribe and follow to support the show or take a second to leave me a rating and review on Apple. All of this helps more people find the show and it does mean a lot to me. Join me next time for more narrative journeys of creators Abroad.